0: Just before our reading today, here's a quick recap from last time. In Ruth chapter one, we saw how Naomi married a foolish man who leaves the land of promise Israel and and they go to a nation that has been hostile to Israel, the land of Moab. In Moab, their sons marry local women, but the three men die within 10 years, leaving Naomi in great need of food and of safety. So she returns to her hometown in Israel, Bethlehem, together with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. But she's become so embittered by her experience in Moab that she says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Things begin to look up in chapter two In the land of ancient Israel, there are laws which protect and provide food for vulnerable widows like Naomi and Ruth. So Ruth can go safely uh, onto a farm and collect food there. Turns out the farmer there gives special instructions to his workers to leave extra food for Ruth to gather. It turns out actually that he is a relative of Naomi And he could bring great blessing to Naomi and to Ruth because he is a guardian redeemer. Let's hear what happens from chapter three of Ruth.
1: This week, we continue on with our readings from the book of Ruth. As last week, I'll be reading the words of the author and Boaz, Margaret, the words of Naomi, and Catherine, those of Ruth. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her,
2: My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor but don't let him know that you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say. So she went down
1: to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached Gent quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down in the middle of the night. Something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you?
2: I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family.
1: The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But... If he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured it into six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Ruth came to her mother-in-law.
2: How did it go, my daughter?
1: Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added,
2: He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today.
1: Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me. So I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, the guardian redeemer said. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Niphaphah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar brought to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Narshan, Narshan the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David.
0: Well, from emptiness to fullness is our theme for today. My daughter and her husband were camping recently with their two little boys. It was the first trip for the four of them. They were away for a couple of weeks. We really missed them, especially the little boys. And so we were glad they sent through some photos on WhatsApp. It made up a little bit for us missing them. When they got back, my daughter said to me that one night she was speaking with her husband and she said to him, My heart is so full, I can't imagine how things could get better than this. But by the end of the next day, she was completely drained. There were friends they were camping with and one of the friends received some terrible news. My daughter had sat with her friend. And she couldn't help but be caught up in her grief and sorrow. Now my daughter's fine now, but the sorrow will stay with her friend for a long time. All sorts of things can do that sort of thing to us. All sorts of things can drain us. It might be over a long time, a strained relationship does it for you. Or you might be drained because work is just not working out. Or it might be that there is some terrible hurt from your past that that you live with. Or it might be that you have a grief that you secretly carry. Naomi said, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. In chapters three and four, we learn how God in his kindness fills Naomi and Ruth with a fullness they could not have anticipated as they trudged back from Moab. And the way in which he fills them is a little picture of the way in which God works, the way in which God does things everywhere. So let's pick up their story in chapter three, where a wonderful savior appears in the person of of the farmer Boaz, who turns out to be a near relative and, and so qualifies As a guardian redeemer for Naomi. Now there were wise and generous laws in place in Israel to protect vulnerable people like Naomi and widows in particular. Naomi understood that Boaz was a near enough relative that he could protect her family and protect the family's land and protect the inheritance of her husband. You see in Israel each family had been allocated a little patch of land in the promised land when they first arrived. And, and the patch of land that they had was more than just the place where they lived. It was, in many ways, a tangible representation of the part that they had in the promises that God had made to their forefathers. Down through the generations, your land is more than just a place you live in. If you lose your land you lose that tangible hold that you you have in God's promises. So when Naomi's husband dies and when his sons die, the family name, the family inheritance dies with them, unless there's a guardian redeemer who is willing to rescue them. Now, Boaz could be that guy. Boaz could be that guy which is what stands behind those careful instructions, you heard them before, that, Naomi's, that Naomi gave to Ruth. I mean, it's a complex space, isn't it? Boy meets girl, girl meets boy. How, how does the girl let him know that she's interested in a way that is culturally appropriate uh, and in a way that is appropriate to where they're up to in their relationship? Naomi says, here's what we do you wash, you dress nicely, and then you go to the place where Boaz is sleeping with his workers during the harvest time. And so Ruth follows the instructions. And it's a tender moment, isn't it? It's also an edgy moment. I mean, he's a powerful man. She is a vulnerable woman, and they lie down near each other at night time. But there's There's no sense of impropriety that's indicated in the text there. Ruth is effectively making a proposal of marriage to a guardian redeemer. Uh, He knows nothing about this until he wakes up and she's there. Who are you? He says and then he hears the voice of a woman who he's met and he recognises her. I am your servant says Ruth spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, I know it's a proposal of marriage, but it's not a classic romantic story that we keep watching over and over again on the television and on on, on the big screen. It's much better than those stories because Ruth is saying to Boaz, would you become our guardian redeemer? Would you marry me? Would you raise up through me a son for my mother-in-law and for her dead husband? And here's the beautiful bit. Boaz goes on to say, my daughter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. I was really intrigued by a comment that Nancy Guthrie, an American Bible teacher, made on this passage. She says, Boaz shows us many things about our great guardian guardian, redeemer, Jesus Christ. As I listen to Boaz say, as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. I know that the Lord Jesus says to me, my daughter, do not fear. I'm going to do all you ask. I will redeem you. It's a beautiful thing Boaz says in response to, to Ruth's proposal. Now, I'm sure Nancy's right to feel this way the lord jesus is not ashamed to to call us close relatives in fact for us to call him our brother and at that first christmas he becomes one of us so that he might become our redeemer he comes to secure if you like a patch of land in heaven itself for us he brings to us a magnificent inheritance So when Boaz says, I will do all you ask, he foreshadows Jesus. But there's a hitch. Boaz is not the first in line as the guardian redeemer. So in chapter four, early in the morning, Boaz is at the place of business, at the town gate, in in the town. And uh, the man who is first in line, ahead of, of Boaz, comes along. Now he's a guy who's got an eye for a property deal, and he is keen to move ahead until he realizes the cost that will be associated with buying the property. When he realizes it will mean caring for Naomi and for Ruth, he doesn't even have to talk to his accountant. He is out of there, he walks straight away although possibly with a little bit of a limp because the way you indicated you weren't gonna take up the deal was you took your sandal off and you gave it to the other person. Now his response, the response of the one who was first in line reminds us that there is a cost associated with redemption, a cost to pay. Redemption is buying something or someone back. So it's, it's no small thing that Boaz does. He pays the price of the property Uh, He commits himself in marriage to Ruth and to the ongoing care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Once again, in paying a price like this, he foreshadows the immense commitment that the the Lord Jesus makes to us when when he redeems us, as the Apostle Peter says, not with silver and gold, but with his precious blood. But back to Boaz and Ruth. Boaz gladly becomes the guardian redeemer. He pays the money for the land. He, 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 he takes on the care of Naomi. And Boaz and Ruth come together as husband and wife. And as it says in chapter 4, verse 13, Boaz took Ruth, she became his wife. The Lord enabled her to conceive. And she, came, she gave birth to a son. Chapter 4, verse 13. In chapter 1, Naomi said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Ever since then, the Lord has been filling her. So in chapter two, God is filling her as Ruth goes to the farm. She brings back food and she brings back some really good news. In chapter three, the Lord is filling Naomi as as Ruth goes back to the farm with a proposal and she comes back with great news and lots more food. By the end of chapter 4, how full does Naomi look to you as as she's sitting with the women of Bethlehem, as they are praising God, as they are praying for the little boy? Naomi had once known deep grief and poverty and real fear. Rightly, she would say, she, she felt empty. But the Lord has been filling her. The Lord has been filling her. The people of the town say of her Moabite daughter-in-law. She is a woman of noble character. The Lord has been filling her. A kind and a powerful man has come into the family and is making a big difference to the family. And now she's a grandma as well. The story could finish there. As As she's nursing this little grandson, as the women say, Naomi has a son, and they name the little boy Obed. That would be a very happy ending to the story of Naomi and of Ruth. I mean, it would be a beautiful story, wouldn't it? Even if it was just a story of two widows struggling with loss and poverty, two widows to whom God shows great kindness and mercy. But it doesn't end there with the name of Obed. The book of Ruth is set on a much grander stage, as you read on to the end of the book. See, Obed's is not the last name mentioned in the book of, uh, of Ruth. The book of Ruth ends with a list of ten names. There they are there on the screen. There's ten names there. And what those names do is they place the beautiful story of Naomi and Ruth on a much grander stage. You see, the book of Ruth is set during the time of the judges a time of darkness and almost unspeakable horrors. The book of Judges is punctuated with the refrain, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That list of names there points forward beyond the time of Naomi and Ruth to their descendant. See Ruth and Naomi had a son and a grandson, who would become the grandfather of the great King David. And at Christmas time, we remember that David was the great, 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 many times over grandfather of the Lord Jesus himself, of the greatest King of all, of the one who was born in Bethlehem, of the one who was a carpenter's son, of the one in whom God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell of the one through whose loving and sacrificial death we we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, through whom God fills us with thankfulness and joy and peace and hope. See, during the dark time of the judges, God was quietly working in the lives of two ordinary women whose circumstances at one time seemed almost hopeless. God is lovingly working through their situation and gradually filling them so that ultimately they have a part to play in the great blessings that he offers to all people everywhere through their descendant Jesus Christ. Well, two things as I wrap up. Firstly, about Ruth, Ruth ruth comes from a people who have a terrible reputation but she is not defined by her history nor does her history exclude her from becoming an honored member of god's people there is a point where she says to naomi where you go i will go and where you stay i will stay your people will be my people And your God, my God. And Ruth shows by the way that she lives that she truly does adopt the God of Naomi, the the, the true and living God. And God welcomes this distant outsider in as she turns to him. And a measure of her welcome is that she becomes the great grandmother of King David, and she is named on the first page of the New Testament at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel in that long list of names leading up to the birth of Jesus, to Mary and Joseph. You see, the God, the God we worship, he, he watches out for the outsider. And he's ready to welcome anyone from anywhere as they turn to him. No, no matter how far off you may feel, he's ready to fill you in a way that you may not even have been able to imagine. There's so much to learn from the story of Ruth and the way that she said to Naomi, your God will be my God. God fills her in a way that he will fill anyone who turns to him, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done. So firstly about Ruth, secondly, as I finish up, about this fullness that God offers. I wonder if this was a gauge of emptiness through to fullness. Where, where, you, where you would sit at the moment on that gauge? I wonder, m- more empty than, than full. All sorts of things could make you feel that way. All sorts of things could make you feel that way. It could be you met the right guy or you met uh, uh, the, the right lady, but they just turned out to be not so right as you thought. It might be that work is just not working out for you. It might be that you're at a stage of life or illness, that your body is letting you down in a big way. Look, life is messy. Life is messy. But the God who filled Naomi and Ruth when their lives were very messy has got your back. He's there for you. The sovereign goodness of God that we know in Jesus Christ means We need never lose heart in this life. Your circumstances might not be great right now, but he is working in and through you. He is working out his purposes for your good and for his glory. So as we prepare to look back on the arrival of our own guardian redeemer Jesus at at the first Christmas, may we be filled to overflowing with joy, with hope, with peace, with praise, and with thankfulness to the supremely kind and powerful God we know through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.